Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled you are able to join us on this Valentine's Day. I hope you're feeling love all around you um, from past and present, uh, you know, people who you've engaged with. Um, I think Valentine's sometimes can make people really sad when they don't have a partner sitting at their side, but I think we have to reframe that and and look at love on a much broader, broader frame um, because there's so much abundance and love um, around us all the time. Now, before I introduce you to our guest today, I always like to do a couple of shout outs. So a big thank you to the Mark Arneson Band for letting us use their song Clarion Call as our opening music. And for those of you that are new to Alzheimer's Speaks, we are about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with real people in the trenches who who actually get what the needs are or who are identifying them and are thought leaders in terms of change from people diagnosed to family care partners as well as professionals, all kinds of artists from musicians and movie directors and authors to researchers uh, to our children who are making a big impact out there. Everyone is welcome on our show. Now, today's show is live, so you will be able to call in, and that number is 323-870-4602. That is 323-870-4602. And if you're listening after the fact, feel free to uh, email me with any questions or comments that you you have as well. Now, I have some exciting news on my side I want to share with you. Um, my children's book, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care, hit the presses yesterday. So we are taking pre-orders. You can go to alzheimerspeaks.com, go to our book tab, and you can find out more there. Um, let me see here. What else do I want to tell you? Oh, if you're in Minnesota in the Woodbury area on February 25th, that's a Saturday from 2.30 to 4.30, I will be doing a screening and talk back of A Timeless Love. And that is just an exceptional film that covers so many aspects of the disease that um, so many people can relate to. So it is free. And if you are interested in that, you can um, call Deb Bland at 651-501-2105. We are going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner, and then we're going to be right back to introduce you to Lance Slayton. 
I love the footbar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Well, it's time to introduce you to our guest today, and I am thrilled to have Lance Slayton with us. He is the host of All Home Care Matters, which is a podcast which covers a broad range of resources and information that so many people can tap into, both families and professionals. Um, Here on Alzheimer's Speaks, we're kind of dementia and caregiving, um, you know, um, related, um, but Lance does a much broader overview, and so, um, you know, make sure you you check out his site. Uh, He himself has been in the healthcare field for over 18 years, and he's worked in clinical hospital care to the home care field, so really, really a very, very broad range, and he created his his team to develop their program to really help people and provide them with tips, resources, and discussions on long-term care issues. And their hope is that they will support family caregivers as well as their loved ones. So welcome, Lance. How are you doing today? Wonderful. I'm doing great, Lori. Thank you so much, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I am thrilled to have you um, on the show today, and I was on Lance's show not too long ago, and uh, in fact, we're going to be talking about one of his uh, series here a little bit later that is just launching today on this beautiful Valentine's Day. But before I kind of get into my line of questioning, I always like to ask my guests if they've been personally touched in their own family or circle of friends by dementia. Yeah, actually, Lori, um, my grandparents, who I was extremely, extremely close with uh, growing up and into my young adulthood, uh, my grandmother had ended up becoming diagnosed with dementia, and she lived several states away from us, and it turned into, you know, she started to develop develop hallucinations and paranoia. For us, living several states away, we didn't see it firsthand, and, you know, like I tell families that I meet with, you can have a phone call and things can come across just normal and just status quo, but sometimes there's a lot more going on there, as we all know, behind the scenes that you may not really get to see if you're not in person or on, you know, in the area to stop in and check on things. And so she ended up uh, with the hallucinations, having these hallucinations of, you know, people being in her home and different things. And 
she was starting to call the police, you know, quite a bit. And finally, the police in her local town had said to, you know, my uncle, who lived there also, you know, if she calls again, we're going to have to start making some hard decisions. And so my uncle didn't have the ability for her to live in his home because he was still, you know, had children under his roof and he was still working full time. And so we, uh, we went down and packed grandma up and she came to live with us for several years before it got to the point where she had to be in a facility. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things we just, you know, really try to do the best we can for them and, you know, be as supportive as possible. You know, I'm so glad that you um, shared that information. And, and just by stating that, you know, it might seem just fine over the phone isn't always the case. And that is exactly. so true. And, oh, my gosh, that can be the core of family fights, I tell you. Um, the person yeah. who's, you know, in the trenches, uh, boots on the ground, dealing with it every day, and then people that, you know, may not even be very long distance, but just choose not to, you know, come and have personal visits. Um, you, you see and absorb so many different variables. So thanks for thanks for reminding people of that. I, I think that that is, is truly important. Now, um, you know, I think you and I have a, a lot in common in terms of, um, you know, our goals in terms of serving society as a whole. But I want to hear in your own wor words why All Home Care Matters was created. And, and why don't you tell our audience, you know, what you offer them? Sure. So there's a little story behind it. Um, it wasn't something we ever sought out to do. It was never on the top of our list of wanting to, you know, have a uh, an online personality or image, if you will. And so our background with our family businesses, we own a home care company. I'm not the owner, but I'm one of the employees with the family that owns it. And we would do just tremendous outreach in our communities because we cover the bottom half of our state, which is a large territory. And, you know, for over 10 years, we'd go into community centers, churches, assisted living, you name it. And we were hosting and facilitating multiple caregivers. Uh, we were a, a number one sought-after home care company that provided New Year's Eve parties for senior centers, uh, believe it or not. And, you know, we just got such great joy out of it because, like I said, you know, I grew up with such a close relationship and an appreciation for seniors and for my grandparents. You know, I would hope that, you know, if they were in that circumstance, that there were other people out there trying to just brighten their day and, you know, bring them some joy and something to look forward to. And likewise, for the families who may be trying to take care of their loved one, but they don't have the tools and the resources or the know-how to do it, and they just need that sense of camaraderie and support with other peers that are going through similar situations. So we were doing all these different things throughout our communities here in Michigan, and then, as we all know, you know, COVID started, you know, lurking its head. And even though our professional jobs and business were still operating because we were designated as essential, all these extracurricular things kind of got the brakes put on them. And it wasn't strictly because of COVID we started All Home Care Matters, but it gave us the ability and the time to devote to trying to develop something because it really originated from hearing a podcast one night and realizing that, it wasn't very good quality, I, I hate to say, but they weren't providing anything of benefit. And it, it happened to be a home care podcast. And, you know, I had thought, you know, maybe we should look at doing this since we're not doing all of these, you know, support groups and all of these seminars and different things. 
So we spent a great deal of time researching it to see if there's space. You know, you never want to get into the pool if it's already crowded. And we decided, you know what, there is a space. You know, there's wonderful podcasts that specialize in certain specific, you know, areas. We wanted to kind of have one that specialized in all long-term care issues. And that's when we really decided to, you know, make a run at it and create this show. And hopefully it would touch somebody somewhere and provide somebody with a sense of benefit. So that's kind of the story of how it came about. But we were trying to find a way to provide helpful good information to people where you probably have stories too, Lori, where people go on the internet and, you know, if they have, you know, a sore throat and they Google sore throat, they get all these, you know, the worst case scenarios all come up or you're looking for an item for something or a resource and it can be overwhelming. And a lot of families who are caring for loved ones, they don't sometimes know what they don't know. And so we just want to provide good factual information and resources to, you know, just lend a helping hand during their, you know, their caregiving journey. Well, I think that's wonderful. So many people um, and companies in general and some very large companies didn't pivot well during COVID and kept waiting for things to change. And yeah. it's it's nice that you guys jumped in and said, well, you know, we can't do this and we can't do this anymore. So what can we do? And I don't think I yeah. don't think we can ever have enough voices out there because everybody resonates with, you know, different personalities and styles and and so forth. I, I so I, I just think it's it's great what you what you guys have pulled together, and um, in terms of of steering the ship, you just have such a nice high Thank quality. You. Um, production in terms of of what all you uh, what all types of information that you that you um, bring to people and like myself you're not just local um, you're pulling right. people in from all around the world which I think it's so important to hear how's everybody else coping you know what the heck are they doing right. I, I think they can give great um, sparks of inspiration and ideas for collaboration. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that. If you are just tuning, mm -hmm, if you are just tuning in, I'm talking with Lance Slayton, who is with all home cares matters podcast. And um, you were just talking about why, why they started uh, their program and the needs are endless out there. And um, again, they do such a great job. So, Lance, let's talk, uh, you know, a little bit more because I know things don't always go smooth, you know, when you're launching a new company and, you know, a new project. Did you have any surprises along the way when you were in that launch mode and development mode? Yeah, uh, for me, Lori, I am never one that has sought the limelight or thought attention or had any interest of being in front of a camera or uh, a microphone or any sort of media, you know, um, outlet or service. And it took, it took a while to really develop a level of comfort in realizing, you know, there could be, you know, 10 people seeing this, a hundred people, a thousand, you know, and it, it just kind of has really made me adapt to doing things that I'm just not comfortable with. You know, and I think I think that's a lesson for all of our lives, right, where, you know, there may be times where we may do something and it's not something we necessarily want to do or prefer to do. But, you know, you work with it and, you know, you're constantly trying to adapt and improve and get better. And 
and just really taught me the importance of this information, really. I mean, that that really was a big surprise, and it came down to the just a really rapid, quick success, if you want to use the word success, that we've had in the short two and a half years that we've had the show. Um, because when we started it, like I said, we really, and this sounds silly when you say it out loud, but we really started the show to help our local communities. And we realized YouTube and all the podcast platforms and things can be, you know, viewed and shared anywhere in the world. Um, but that was never on the radar. It was always like, let's do this until we can get back into the communities and see our friends and these different organizations we work with. And it just quickly snowballed from there. And I think what surprised me aside from that was, just the just the amount of outpouring of people needing this information. I mean, we realize people need information just doing our day jobs, but when you look at all the different emails or comments or different things that we've received, you know, it, in a way it's, it's great, but at the same time it's almost sad that, you know, they're coming to something that was just two and a half years old, that mm-hmm. they couldn't find this somewhere else, or, you know, for whatever reason this has really resonated with them a lot differently than maybe another show they fall on, you know, dealing with caregiver burnout or, you know, something along those lines. And I really think it speaks to the need for society, both, you know, nationally and internationally for having better access to these types of resources and services. Oh, I I totally, totally agree with you. And your shows you also have listed on Saltbox TV, if I'm not mistaken, too. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, uh, about a year now we've been on Saltbox. Yep. And for those of you that don't know, that's an online um, free streaming service that was designed specifically for seniors. I've got some Alzheimer's uh, Speaks Radio and some other things on there as well. Tip of Snow is on there if you're looking for dementia. But they have entertainment. They they have education. Um, they have uh, specialized uh, shows, so it's not just old TV and movie shows, which I think a lot of people think is is all they're going to find. Right. Softbox TV is is so much more than that. So that might be another platform that that uh, you want to check out um, as well, and um, and see see how Lance has positioned his company. Um, as far as you know, feedback on your show. Who is your primary listeners? I know people always ask me that. You know, who, who sure. listens to your show? For us, we, the best that our analytics has shown us, and just it's a pretty evenly distributed split between families caring for loved ones and then healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I find too. And I, but I find so many companies they're like shocked at that, or they that some of them don't want the mix. You know, they want one right. or the other. And, and I just find that kind of hilarious because all of this information that you know, that you're giving and I'm giving and, and others out there, everybody needs it. You know, they might use it in a different fashion. But I think the more right. information we can get out there to everyone because i mean my gosh none of us know when we're going to step in the puddle of whatever and need resources so it's it's a great great way to to be able to educate yourself and you know hopefully even before a crisis hits you know a healthcare crisis hits you or your family and i also find and i would imagine your show too that 
you find um, people who are, let's say, the patient, the one with the diagnosis or the need for assistance, is also listening um, to to your show. Is that correct? Yeah, we've excuse me. <clears throat> yes, we've had people who you know said you know I'm going through emphysema right now, and you know we did a discussion on you know emphysema you know resources and support and you know, healthy habits, you know, it's, it's wide ranging. And, well, as mm-hmm. you know, the panel discussion that uh, we just had taken part on together, uh, you know, one of the panelists, Dr. Jennifer Butte, you know, she's living with dementia, you know, and so we've had people living with dementia that are listening and watching. And, you know, it's really, it's all encompassing. You know, there's really not a box you can put a show like yours or a show like ours into and say, this is just specifically for this group of people. Because I think it really, like you said, it resonates across all levels. You know, the famous Rosalind Carter quote, right? You're either mm-hmm. a caregiver, you're going to be one, you've had one, or you're going to, you know, or you need one. And yep. that, it doesn't matter if you have an MD after your name or, you know, if you've retired from the post office, you you need to know this information at some point and, you know, like the work that you're doing and what we're trying to do is help give out this information so that you're not having to learn it under the gun or under pressure. And that's one of the biggest things we've learned from our professional jobs. You know, we'll get phone calls from families. My dad just found out, you know, they're discharging him and he's coming home, but they won't release him to the house until we have care. And what do we do? Yeah, you know, and it's you know, so they're not even being prepared during that discharge phase, and that's you know something that's you know a personal you know uh, mission of mine is to help educate people better, so that you are prepared when the need arises. You know, it's kind of like when you're expecting a child, you're preparing the nursery, you got you know you got your formulas, your bottles, you got everything lined up. You know, probably several cases of diapers. You know, but the baby hasn't came yet, but yet you're prepared for when the baby does come. You know, I feel like we should treat these issues the same way. Be prepared for when that day does come. And that doesn't mean running out and buying stuff. I'm just using that as an analogy. I'm saying prepare your mind with the information so you know then what to do when that day does come. Exactly. And prepare to pivot once that day comes, too, because none of this stuff is black and white and not everything works for everyone. And so uh, that's why it's so important to hear a variety of voices and and themes in terms of, you know, how do we deal with this? How do we how do we make this better? How do I keep my sanity? You know, how do we keep people protected? Um, it, it just goes on and on and on. Um, I want to kind of take a, a turn here because I, I want to talk about this really important uh, panel that you've pulled together with people around the world on the ethics of dementia and social media. A1, why why that topic? And, um, and two, um, how did you approach pulling your panel together? And then we'll get into some specifics. Sure. Well, I will tell you, Lori, I um, I had been thinking about this issue for probably several years, um, but it's one of those, it's kind of a fleeting moment in time. You just think about it, then you move on. But it's really been in the last year that it really started resonating more as we became more involved with All Home Care Matters and, you know, trying to, you know, um, exercise our presence on social media. We're now seeing more and more, you know, common themes and threads 
associated with dementia, caregiving. And we would, you know, our company, our family company does have a presence on social media, but that's more of just you post and you leave. But with the show, it's more engaging and you're interacting with other people and different. It's just a different method and strategy when it comes to something like that versus just your business. And Mm -hmm. I just, in the last year, I was seeing more and more videos and images of people being posted to social media. These aren't the positive, you know, something like you would post or maybe people would post or, you know, other respected individuals in the, you know, senior care dementia, you know, arena. And I'm just like, I, I'm very surprised, you know, having my clinical background working in the hospital and then working now with families privately, I'm just, I just could not reconcile how these are being allowed to be shared on social media. And so uh, two of the guests who were on the panel, uh, Bettina Morrow and Tim England, both are, you know, uh, two of the first people in the world to receive their master's degrees in this first-of-its-kind dementia uh, degree program at the University of Tasmania. And I just did an interview with them, you know, titled The Future of Dementia Education. And then once the recording stopped, I just asked them what their thoughts were, thinking, you know, maybe they talked about this issue in their bachelor level or in the master level program. And they said, you know, never really gave that much of a thought. And so I was just sharing some of the things, you know, that we're talking about. And they said, wow. And then they emailed and we talked about it and so it was about six seven months in the making and then it was originally we were just going to be like the three of us or maybe they were going to pull in somebody from the university and i said well i want to i want to have this a broader panel i want it to be more diverse and so then you know um you and i and uh david we just did the uh, dementia map interview which was tremendous and you know i have such admiration and respect for you I thought, well, let me let me ask Lori if she would mind being on the panel, and you graciously accepted. And then it just kind of, you know, uh, Marianne Shuko, she's on our board of directors at All Home Care Matters and, you know, co-founder of All Authors. I know this is a topic very near and dear to her. And then I reached out to, you know, Dr. Jennifer Butte, who, you know, former medical doctor, but also happens to be living with di- uh, dementia. And it just kind of trickled from there. And I just thought, you know, I think we have a very nice, diverse, rounded out group of influential and respected people whose voices really matter and will really resonate that maybe we need to talk about this. And so we all worked on, you know, setting up the date and time. I think we scheduled it out about three, four months ago, maybe, Lori. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. I remember now. Yeah. But, yeah, that sounds um, about right. So and then uh, it resonated with it uh, going live today. And, you know, we were thankful to have had some, you know, nice, uh, media coverage about it before the release. Um, McKnight's had asked me to write an article about the issue, and so we posted that. And then, you know, we had several articles on, you know, Bloomberg and uh, Yahoo and uh, AP and, you know, a lot of the other smaller medium-sized uh, news markets. And I just, you know, the, the trouble with the issue is, and, you know, the listeners who are listening to this will, will see the discussion it's not a simple black and white answer to, you know, what is appropriate and what is not. Because like you, I think, even said, and I agree with, what might be right for Lori LeBay may not be right for me, you know, or mm-hmm. what might be right for me may not be right for you. But for me, and I think uh, uh, Dr. Jennifer had mentioned this, consent is consent, whether it's for a good cause or a bad cause. Whether you're posting something good, 
and this, and by good, like if you're posting something of your mother, like, you know, you had mentioned, or, you know, the guests that join you, that's voluntary. And mm-hmm. I'm talking more or less of the, you know, the care workers in a facility or in a care home or caregivers who are working one-on-one and, you know, they're having a rotten day with their client or their patient. And they're like, oh, wait till I send this to my girlfriend. She won't ever believe this. And, you know, there's no protection in place because that person with dementia may not most likely have any idea that that's happening. And mm-hmm. the other issue is if they do if they do provide consent, is it truly an informed consent? Do they understand the consequences of that consent being given as to what posting the social media even means? So mm-hmm. that, that's where this gray, this gray area comes in where where do we offer protections for these people who are maybe being exploited and you know and technically the term abused by having these videos and images shared unbeknownst to them or to their responsible parties and that's that's the question i think needs to be answered because as we talk about in the panel there are protections in place when it has to do with profanity violence liquor nudity drugs and children but there's nothing there for people who cannot provide consent. So like a cognitively impaired person, a mentally impaired person, a person with dementia, you know, so why wouldn't there be protections for them, but for all these other areas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as we discussed as a group, it, I mean, it's, it, it's really hard to define because, mm-hmm. um, I, I, and I'll, I'll just use an example of, of my own family. Um, I had a, a picture of my mom where she was dressed up like a Klondike Kate. She was all red lipstick, red bow, you know, uh, feather boa. I mean, just red, red, red. And she was having a ball, uh, overuse of, of rouge, the whole nine yards. But that's kind of what our Klondike Kates for, you know, our, sure. our winter festival here do. And they're, they're singers. And, you know, I loved that picture because I knew my mom was, that was, just pure joy. And my brothers were like, don't show that to anybody. That's yeah. not our mom. That's that looks ridiculous. And they couldn't see the joy. They didn't they didn't right. want to go there. And and so I think, you know, there's there's those kinds of moments and then there are those that are really degrading. I saw one the other day and I just want literally got physically sick and almost threw up where a staff person was actually beating a woman. Yeah, okay. I think I yeah. ripped her out of her wheelchair, grabbed her hair, and I mean it was just it was and and somebody walked by another staff person and didn't do a dang thing and someone else is filming this and you're just going what is going on? And then I then I look at our news and go, well, that's kind of the same thing that's going on in the real world in front of big audiences as well. We have got to change that, you know, um, in multiple, multiple ways. So I I do think it's very, very uh, important conversation. And um, I think also a lot of times people don't know about bullying that happens to Mm -hmm. people who are living with dementia that come off really good. They still have their language skills and stuff and people accuse them of faking it and it can get really, really nasty and um, abusive. And a lot of times that can be coming from um, spouses that say, well, you know, my husband or wife doesn't act like that and they expect everyone to, or it could be coming from another person with dementia 
that you know mm-hmm. you can't maybe rationalize with so there's there's so many different factors of what we all think is is right or wrong so um i you know i would really encourage people to listen to um this show ethics of dementia on social media and how what's the easiest way for them to find that i know i'm going to be posting it out there again yeah. i did yeah. some little clips so, and stuff but yeah. Well, it is it is live on YouTube right now, so they could go mm-hmm. to All Home Care Matters uh, channel on YouTube. It's also on all of the major podcast streaming platforms as well, so Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart. Uh, we are on Pandora now as well. Um, or they could go to allhomecarematters.com, and they could listen to the audio there, and tomorrow the video will be there as well. Um, but the easiest, if they want to watch it, because watching it is different than listening, if they're mm-hmm. able to, because sometimes watching isn't convenient if you're driving a car or you're at work. But um, the the video has some images and graphics and different things that we did um, put into the video that you obviously won't get the benefit of if you're listening. Um, but the the discussion is tremendous. It's very informative. And I think, you know, like you said, Lori, it is a very tough discussion because there is no real clear line between right and wrong as far as, you know, what somebody interprets. But I would say, just to follow up on that image or that video you were talking about, about that staff worker, I saw that very video this morning, and I I, I wanted to show people, like, you know, yourself and some Mm -hmm. of the other people on the panel, but at the same time, I thought I would almost be just as guilty for sharing it because Mm -hmm. now I'm, you know... But I, you know, I mean, this person, not to get graphic, but, I mean, they actually, thankfully, they added a uh, pixelated blur thing because this poor woman in her wheelchair did not have any undergarments on. And, like, you know, her patient gown is, like, going up above her waist almost in some instances. And I'm just – but this this was – that's the prime example, Lori, of why yep. I wanted to do this topic right there because why – and any world would that be okay for social media to post and allow to be on these platforms is beyond me. I don't yep. understand that. That those are the kind of things I'm speaking about um, and why they're allowed and where are the protections for that poor woman? Cause I'm going to assume um, and maybe wrongly, but I'm going to assume that she did have dementia and she did not have faculties to make people stop recording her or to, you know, report it to administration. And, Sadly, the administration in a lot of these facilities, because we're in them day in and day out, they're so understaffed as it is, sometimes the administrator may not even be in the building. And, you know, it's kind of like when you say the, you know, the uh, inmates are running the asylum. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. out of control. And I know, I know here in Michigan a couple years ago, it was all over our news where there were some care workers in a group home, and, you know, they were videotaping one of their coworkers just, literally beating on this man in the facility and they shared it all over social media. And during the discussion, you can see if you're watching the video, there are several news headlines and articles that we did incorporate into it um, just to use as reference points, you know, to, as a resource, if you will, um, for some of the things we were discussing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of horrifying and it just really makes you step back and go, wow, how, how can this even be happening? But it, but it does happen. Um, right. You know, ca- cameras can, can uh, grab a hold of the good, the bad and the ugly out there. And there's a lot yeah. of all of it. Um, but 
again, yeah. just like that reposting of, am I stepping into this? Am I making this better or worse by sharing this, you know? Exactly, um, yeah. Because you want to let people know this is happening. This isn't just somebody making up stories. This kind of stuff does exist. You know, I don't think it's the majority of what's happening, but, you know, even one thing is, is way too much. Uh, you know, one, one episode of that. So, um, again, I would really urge you to to take a look at that. And, if uh, again, what Lance was saying about if you have the opportunity to watch the video, not only, you know, will you see things that you wouldn't listening to audio, but for many people who are experiencing dementia, it's just much easier. Um, some of them just can't do straight audio. You know, they need right. to be able to read the lips and, and – um, kind of use that multi-sensory awareness of what's going on in the conversation. And I think that that is um, an important factor there too. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, overall for All Home Cares Matter, what are some of the biggest issues that you have found that families are facing when they're caring for a loved one, you know, dementia or not? Yeah, I think the number one issue is unpaid caregiving. Mm-hmm. So many families, you know, so many families are providing care to their family members or loved one. And, you know, that kind of ties into the sandwich generation issue where, you know, our parents are living longer, our children are living at home longer, and we're in the middle. And they still have to work. They still have to provide a living most of the time because they're not at retirement age. And yet they're providing all this care to a parent or even sometimes a spouse and you know, statistically, they say you average over $7,300 of your own out-of-pocket expenses to provide that care. That's not counting lost wages from work. That's just to get, you know, your supplies, your hand wipes, your, you know, gloves, briefs, whatever it is that your loved one needs. And they just don't know how to survive that. Mm-hmm. It, it is very, very difficult. That's that's for sure. Um, I would also add um, to that, and again, this kind of falls in line with this, but um, so many people, too, want to know about <laughs> where do I get patients? How do I develop that craft? <laughs> because, Wonderful. boy, yeah. my patience is short. And I know I've, you know, my mom lived with dementia for 30 years. So, I mean, I've developed tools just because I, I lost it and wasn't a gracious caregiver and sure. felt horrible. And I think education, which, you know, your your yeah. show absolutely does. And then I think um, communication you know, um, within the family, and then even how to advocate with the doctors. I mean, people want to be heard and seen, right. and I think we still have a long ways to go with the with the medical um, professionals and healthcare professionals at large of really not just listening, but actually hearing and and accepting what is being told to you. Um, you know, as as an as an issue, or you know, it could be a comfort. Sometimes families want to give information, and they don't feel like it's heard, or uh, you know, they well, I told it to this person, but apparently it didn't get communicated, you know, to the other staff, which then does us yeah. no good. Um, you know, all of those types of things, and then you know, product services and tools um, to be better. Um, for themselves and and also, you know, what's going to help them 
um, serve their their person right. Uh, I just there's the the topics are really endless that are out there, and the information uh, that you develop is evergreen because there's always new people stepping in while somebody might be stepping out. And yeah. and I think people have found that as surprising too. And it's like, well, of course, there's always new people. You know, we don't have right. cures to fix most of the ailments um, that families are struggling with, big or small. Um, you know, we we have some treatments and stuff, but we don't have any miracle cures that makes things go away. Um, right. You know, for the majority of them. So I think that that's that's really important. And I also have found, and and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, that kind of what's good for for one thing can apply to so many other situations, too. Um, I know, like with dementia, we say what's good for dementia is good for the world. I mean, it's just a lot of it is a changing mindset in terms of even how you approach and cope and and deal with things. what do you think about that, or do you think there's definitely a difference? No, I I think there is a lot of similarities, and I think there's a lot of crossover. You know, um, and I'll just use, like, our caregiver support groups that we run as an example. We would have people coming who are taking care of a loved one with cancer or a person coming in who is taking care of a loved one with emphysema or people coming in taking care of a, a parent with dementia. And I told them, I said, this is not, you know, our caregivers, you know, and as you would know, Lori, there there are caregiver groups, caregiver support groups that specialize just for dementia, you know, and there's a lot of benefit to that. And then there's ones, you know, cancer support groups. But we we didn't specialize just in one specific issue. We we just did we specialized in caregiver support because, mm-hmm. you know, changing, you know, being a caregiver, the emotions are going to be very similar, and there's a lot of crossover in an emotion, whether you're taking care of a loved one with, you know, this disease or this illness, you're still the caregiver. The title's the same, and a lot of your role is the same. How you adjust and respond might be somewhat different. You know, person with dementia, you know, the repetitiveness or the wandering, you're not going to have to deal with that necessarily with somebody that is diagnosed with, uh, you know, an illness like cancer. But you know, still taking care of that caregiver self-care, still having that network to call on. If I could just tell a quick story of a lady that, you know, just has always stuck with me. Uh, she came to one of our support groups the very first time, and, you know, she was in her young, early 60s, late 50s. Her and her girlfriend had been uh, best friends all the way through elementary school. They were in each other's wedding, lived next to each other. The children grew up together. I mean, they were, you know, tied at the hip. And, this particular woman's husband was diagnosed with early onset dementia the previous winter. And she came in, you know, finally said, you know, I needed to try this and see what this was all about. And she's very, very distraught. And she said, you know, I just don't understand my, my girlfriend, you know, meaning her best friend, she, she doesn't want anything to do with me now. And so Mm -hmm. we're asking her, well, why is that? She goes, she says, I'm just making this up, that I just, you know, I don't have time for her. Because they would always go, like, Friday or Saturday was the couple's night to a movie and dinner and, you know, visit with each other. And it was a standing long tradition. And she hadn't been able to do this for, you know, several weeks. And her friend 
not having had experience or gone through having to care for a spouse or a parent or anybody with dementia, she didn't truly understand what her friend was going through. And, mm-hmm. you know, this this may or may not sound right to you, but we told her, don't be mad at your friend. You can't be mad at her for not understanding what you're going through because, thankfully, she has not had to experience that yet. But what I would do is have a conversation with her, or, you know, when you feel like the time is right, or even write her a letter and just say, you know, I would not wish you to have to go through what I'm going through right now. This is what my day is like. This is what this is like. And maybe your friend will then, you know, kind of take a deep breath and, you know, put the emotions out of it, the anger and being upset and look at it from, you know, a loving perspective and as your best friend. And, you know, that advice worked. It helped her friend to understand it, but her friend will still never truly appreciate it because she's not going through it. Just like I know what, you know, we we joke when somebody says something, you know, to my wife about, you know, when they're talking about the delivery of children and having their babies and stuff. I'm, and I joke, I'm like, yeah, I go, I was exhausted. It was horrible. You know, <laughs> and, you know, but, but it's, it's very similar. Like I can understand because, you know, I'm maybe seeing it and I'm hearing it, but I don't truly get it because I'm not the one that had to give birth. It was my wife. And you can understand and see and appreciate what your friend is going through but unless you've gone through it, you still don't, you'll never be able to truly get it. You have to go through it to understand it fully. And so we just try to give them those tips and those tools and those resources. And, but the, where I was going with all that is, even though that lady was there because of dementia and several other people were there because of cancer or diabetes or emphysema, all these different ailments and reasons, the one thing they all did have in common, though, is that they are now caregivers for a loved one. That's what united all of them. And that's the beautiful thing about caregiver support groups. If you and I, Lori, are taking care of a loved one with dementia and our friends haven't had to experience that yet and we're going to the same support group, you know, the whole idea, it's not for the facilitator to be the support. The caregiver support is really to develop that network of support with the other people attending So on a Friday night, if you're having a really bad day and your loved one's not going to sleep, maybe you can call me, Lori, because maybe I'm up too because my loved one is having a rough night, and we can just vent to each other. You need that outlet. You need that understanding to really grasp what, you know, and to get through those situations. And when people offer help, take the help. Make a little list of things they can do to help you. Don't try to come up with it off the top of your head. If it's groceries, you know, say, you know what, I could use groceries next week and that would save me a trip or, you know, whatever the circumstances, accept that help when it's offered. Mm-hmm. And so many of us aren't good at um, accepting Asking. accepting that yeah. help, yet we're pushing ourselves on someone else that we're helping and they don't always want our help either. And, you know, exactly. we, don't, we don't appreciate where they're coming from. And so sometimes we have to put ourselves in in their shoes. I I really appreciate you sharing that story. I think storytelling is such an incredible way for people to learn, um, for people to heal, um, for people just to to realize, you know, everybody isn't going through the exact same thing and that there right. are tidbits here and there that can help you even if, you know, you're dealing with dementia and someone else is dealing with cancer and someone else is dealing with heart disease. <clears throat> There's this overlap. And we don't talk yeah. enough about 
how to care for ourselves, how to put ourselves in that equation. I know I set myself, um, you know, I, I, it was like it didn't even exist. I, I almost turned into a machine caring for my mom, my mom with blood dementia, mm-hmm. my dad with brain cancer. And then when my dad died, I had like extra time and people said, well, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, I haven't asked myself that question in years. I don't have a clue what I like. I mean, I really, I was right. totally lost as an individual. So those support groups, you're right, are so critically important because it's about bringing community together, people that understand what you're going through, even if they don't know the nitty gritties and might not be going through exactly the same thing. There's enough overlap. There's enough um, compassion and empathy um, that these connections are built on such a strong, strong platform. Um, and, and I know many people think, well, you know, they how can you be that close to them? Well, they're not talking about the football game and the weather. Right. They're talking about right. real life. And hopefully they're talking about all of life. So it's not all you know, sad and difficult stuff, but you're talking about things you're celebrating and doing. And so that, um, you know, one of the things I worry about for people is that they don't, um, they don't give up who they are or their relationships to a disease. That they put that kind of in a, in a second, uh, um, a second seat and say, you can join the conversation, but you can't take it over. You know, because I think right. that's when we end yeah. up going going down the rabbit hole. And when you can hear from people and their different strategies, I think just knowing, too, when you're, when you're in a support group like that, Lance, is just knowing that no one's got all the answers um, really kind of takes a couple of bricks off your shoulders. Because I think we think yeah. we're supposed to know it all. And, yeah, and, then, and then finding out that everybody does it a little bit different um, to boot. And I think it builds the confidence up of individual members where all of a sudden they go from thinking they don't know anything to, well, I might not know as much as John and Mary, but I know more than Sue and Tom, you know, and I can help, I can help them or, you know, change my perspectives. I mean, it's just, it's such a gift um, to, to find those connections and, and just to feel heard and accepted for what you're going through instead of questions or told you're crazy or it's not that bad. Cause I think a lot of times people hear that both those that are diagnosed that might be struggling to even get a diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people think they're making stuff up um, and everybody wants to be validated. So I, I think, um, yeah. I think the work you're doing is, is um, extremely, extremely important. Um Anything else that you want to touch base on? We've got about 10 minutes here, and I just want to make sure that we cover um, everything yeah. that's important to you as All Home Care Matters. And if you want to give a plug for your, your home health company, feel free to do that as well. Well, you know, one one thing that I'm very sensitive to and that we're very proud of is, you know, All Home Care Matters was started strictly as a way and an avenue to, you know, help support people and to give voices to people and to let people know that they're not alone in these issues. And I I wanted to kind of touch on what you were just saying about, you know, the comparisons and things. You know, we tell the families with, you know, with our company that you're doing the best you can. Don't, it's not a contest. It's not a race. 
in that never question if you're making the right decisions because if you can answer a couple of questions before you make that decision, are you doing this with the best intentions for your loved one and you say yes? Are you doing this with care and concern for their well-being and their safety? Yes. And are you doing this out of love? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it may not be, it may end up not being the right decision, but it's not because you intentionally weren't trying to make the right decision. Don't put that extra pressure on yourself. As long as you're doing it from a place of love, good intentions and motives, you know what? Your loved one is already that much farther ahead because so many times, and it's sad, Lori, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, with the countless families that we come into contact with, you know, day in and day out, they don't all have a, a Lori to be there to help take care of them or, you know, a brother or a daughter or a son. You know, sometimes people, they just will wash their hands of the situation. Sometimes it's out of frustration, past, you know, grudges and hurts that they won't let go of, whether rightly or wrongly. And, you know, family caregivers, I think, are so underrepresented when it comes to the important role that they play, but they also don't give themselves enough credit for the role that they play. You know, don't be so hard on yourself if you're taking care of a loved one, always concerned if you're making the right decision, because if you can answer those three questions, you're, you're that much farther ahead than most people are because you're doing it for the right reasons. And, you know, it's one of those things where there's not a lot of glory and accolades when you're a family caregiver. You do a lot of stuff that families and friends and people will never know you even did. And that's okay because you're doing it for the right reasons. And, you know, I just, we tip our hats to the family caregivers because, you know, we know what they're going through. You know, myself, I was kind of thrust into it. Uh, taking care of a parent uh, unexpectedly, and we had a, a major healthcare system coming to uh, my wife and I to our home for three years, and I was going into uh, the healthcare field and was in the healthcare field, and I did not realize there was a home care field. And so, for three years, we had these you know professionals, nurses, and all these different things, and never once did we ever get offered a resource to help us with our caregiving for, uh, for this family member, for my father. And, you know, that's where, you know, I feel like we just need to get more access and more resources out to these families so that aren't left wondering what's the right thing to do or the wrong thing. Like we talked about on this panel, you know, the tremendous work that All's Authors does and, you know, Marianne and the wonderful people there, you know, they vet every book that they publish and that they, or that they promote and that becomes a part of the All's Authors Library. And, you know, they have the custom caregiver collection where, you know, you can get specialized books for any sort of situation as it pertains to dementia, whether you're a daughter taking care of a father or taking care of a spouse. And, you know, and it kind of ties back into what I was going to say. These resources have to be vetted and they have to be accurate because I'm sure you've encountered, Lori, there's a lot of bad information and a lot of bad intentions when it comes to the issue of dementia. I know um, All Home Care Matters was approached by somebody wanting to advertise and do a whole big thing on our show, and we turned them down because they're promoting this kind of, I call it fool's gold, snake oil, whatever you want to call it, where they're trying to promote a cure for dementia. And, mm -hmm. you know, but if somebody's online and they're desperate to, you know, if it's a spouse or a parent and they're desperate to hold on to that loved one and cure them and help them, there are people that will try that because it's just, it's that hope. I'm going to try anything and everything. 
and these poor people are having, you know, they're being taken advantage of because of one of their naiveness to the condition. Sometimes they don't understand it. And two, they're willing to do and believe anything because they saw it on the internet. And that, mm-hmm. that's the troubling thing for me. Uh, so the work that, you know, all the, um, all the authors is doing, Alzheimer's Speaks, the dementia map, I, I just, you know, I'm one of your biggest fans because we need more people like you and like uh, Marianne and all the authors and all these remarkable people to help these families so that they aren't taken advantage of and their naiveness is not preyed upon and they're not given false hope. Yep. Well, and I do want to mention all the authors also has a podcast as well. So they, they yes. are just such a, a, a wealth of information and always doing some some cool new things. Um, you had mentioned Dementia Map, uh, which is something that myself and, and Dave Widrick with the Memory Cafe Directory developed, where we've got 150 different categories um, to choose from. And we're building it slowly because we do want vetted people. We we wanna we, we wanna to talk to these people. We wanna hear what they're doing and, and um kinda of know their motives and stuff. And it's really fun to hear some of the stories of of things that are created. Just like your all home cares matters, you know, the the story behind it and why it came to be. I think the the foundation of each and every service product and tool is critically important and you know people need Absolutely. to feel safe and and comfortable, you know, with that. Um, In wrapping up, I just want to, again, say, Lance, thanks for taking the time. I know how busy you are. And to our listeners, I want to thank you for joining us today. And I really hope that you will go check out the Ethics of Dementia and social media. I think you'll find it very interesting. I think it's probably close to two hours. Um, It's about an hour, yeah. How long is it? It's an hour and 48 minutes, I believe. Okay. Okay. So, but it's a, it's a conversation that will, will keep you tuned in um, because there is no right or wrong answer. And you're going to hear people coming from all different angles on this. So um, I think it'll be intriguing. Uh, you'll, you'll hear a few different accents in there too, because again, you know, he went big picture in terms of who he, who he pulled in to talk about this topic. So, um, you know, please go and check that out. Uh, as far as getting a hold of them, you can go to their website, allhomecarematters.com. They are on YouTube as All Home Care Matters. Um, you can go to the Google Podcast or Apple Podcast or so many of the, the other platforms as well. Um, they are on Facebook, so you can follow them there and Instagram. And also on LinkedIn, and those are all all home care matters. Good job. Most people have like 45 different things, um, names that they have to think of to find somebody. And then on Twitter, you are all HCMS, um, making that short and sweet on Twitter. So be a giver of hope. Take a few seconds to make a difference in someone else's lives and like, click, and share this episode We never know who in our circle is dealing with something that they just haven't shared with us yet. Make it easier on them to be able to find something to reach out to. Again, Lance, thank you so much. Until next time. Our pleasure, Lori. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And everyone have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Bye now.
Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.